Hey there, folks. How's it going? I'm Owen, and today we're joined by Toby Martin from Human Creative. Toby, how's it going? Yeah, it's good, man. Good to hear from you. Thanks for um, inviting me to your podcast. It's the first time I've ever done anything like this, so it's uh, it's quite cool. Awesome. Yeah, for, I mean, for for people who don't know, you and I go back a long way, so <laughs> we can yeah. Um, we'll try not to bore people with stories of days gone by at high school. Yeah, yeah. That was like. 10 years ago that seems so crazy to say that out oh loud <laughs> that's dangerously long ago isn't it <laughs> so you are i guess how would you best describe it i want to say creative and filmmaker i'd say that's fair yeah i mean um people know me by all sorts of all the different hats i wear and uh, saying creative is probably pretty fair i guess my predominant workload is filmmaker these days um I shoot photos as well. I'm currently working on a motion graphics project for someone. Um, I've done acting work, voiceover work. I was a stunt rider once in a Hollywood movie. So cool. yeah, kind of anything creative uh, I, I get my hands into. Um, but yeah, creative and filmmaker, I would say, is, is pretty fair. Awesome. And you, I mean, certainly recently you've um, gone into this uh, collaboration that, that has become human creative and worked with a few uh, big brands. I mean, to name one, uh, certainly the Red Bull ad or, or Red Bull film that was the wall ride. Yeah, Red Bull Wall. So that is uh, a little bit about human. It's myself and Mike King, who is the guy behind the Red Bull Walls film. I can't lay any claim to that. Um, but between us, we have teamed up and we work collaboratively together um, with our wealth of cycling industry experience. So. Mike is um, an immensely talented freelancer. He has had a very strong freelance background and I have sort of come up through the ranks of um, full-time employment instead. So I used to work for a nationwide retailer as their in-house film and photo capacity. And then I moved into cycling journalism for a bit, worked out that wasn't for me, um, and then ended up exactly where I am now, which is freelancing um, as Toby and also as human creative. So I've sort of had this really interesting view of the cycling industry over the past ooh, five to seven years from working in a retailer selling products, working as a journalist talking about products and now working as a creative who are working with brands to sell products and things like that. So Yeah, and it's, it's quite um, an egalitarian uh, endeavor that you've got going now because you, you know, you've started with the um, Bikers Best campaign, which uh, is... Well, it's it's interesting. It's it's kind of um, raising the ship for everybody, as opposed to one one brand in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the project of the moment for us, and it's the first time um, that we can find that the cycling industry has worked together in the last fifty years. I think it was nineteen seventy one or or nineteen seventy or something that the cycling industry last banded together and did something as a um, full union, essentially. So you think about the automotive industry and, uh, you know, places like tobacco firms as well, they often just lobby the government and they work together in order to claim more market share overall. And the cycling industry just typically doesn't do that because of its size. So Bikers Best campaign um, is being spearheaded by the wonderful Adam Tranter of Fusion Media. Um, and he invited me on board to become the creative production partner um, for the whole campaign 
And so, yeah, this is a cycling film and creative that will be filling billboards um, and social media feeds from the 10th of June. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see how it goes down, I think. It's going to be really exciting. And obviously, you, you mentioned that you've worked with a lot of big brands um, in every in every possible way, from selling to, to creating. How do brands treat creatives, freelancers, people who are, who are certainly making things in this new social media world that is so fleeting and so quick like how how have you found that as as a as an agent working for them i think it's um i'm about to burst the bubble of you know hollywood because a lot of the time it's it's way more laid back than anybody thinks you know one thing you realize as soon as you become a freelancer and you work with different brands here and there and and you're only ever working with people at the end of the day. You know, you could be working with Google, but you're still going to be working with one individual person at the core of it. Yeah. And, and that person will be winging it. Just <laughs> absolutely everyone to a certain degree is, is winging it. I can say that, you know, about myself, maybe that's not the most professional thing to say publicly, but <laughs> you know, I, I'd hope that people can relate. And actually the best, the best work gets done when people are just, you know, not, artificial about what they can do and, and their ability and things like that but i just willing to get stuck in and willing to you know kind of go the distance for the work on the spot so overall like treating as a creative i think our clients especially within the cycling industry are very laid back yeah um and just kind of uh, are motivated by the best result a lot of the time which is a really good thing to be do you think there's a difference between the way cycling brands have treated you and and other companies yeah, I'd say so. Um, the cycling industry, you know, like I touched on, doesn't really work together. It's not a big, you know, multinational conglomerate of check cashing right. <laughs> crazy companies. It's um, it's still pretty humble in the grand scheme of things, and so that's quite nice. I think working with cycling brands who are often family run or you know, small teams, and they're great friends, and they go out riding after work. Um, I don't think there's anybody that works in the cycling industry genuinely who hates cycling. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, nobody's doing it just for a career. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think nobody gets into the cycling industry to make money. And that's the same with, you know, filmmaking as well. Um, you know, it's compared to the big corporate clients, you know, big corporate clients, they pay lots, but it's also really boring work. Whereas cycling industry stuff, it's usually fun work and maybe it doesn't pay as well, but you know, everything balances out. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and how do you find, uh, I mean, is there room for uh, your own personal work in alongside that? It's, um, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's an interesting one to answer off the back of, you know, two months of lockdown. Yeah. Um, so I've been filling for about two months. I've had nothing on my plate and that has been a, a similar story of, um, you know, every freelancer I've spoken to, I'm sure if there are freelancers listening to this, they will relate instantly. And so for about two months, I didn't have anything to do. And I've just sort of thrown myself in at the deep end with different software and things like this. And, you know, bettering yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And kind of feeling that um, anxiety of, oh, I'm not doing as much as the next guy, you know, as, as everyone's kind of been feeling. So I ended up making this motion graphics real just for a bit of fun. Um, just to see what I could do. But then in the last two weeks, just things have picked up. And so I think um, 
personal projects versus work, a lot of the time you're just so motivated by what you're doing for work and so furiously trying to get to the best result possible that you know your personal work almost becomes your work like i'm i'm so incredibly lucky in the fact that the job i do i absolutely love and if i don't actually have work i i get a bit miserable so that two months that you know nothing came through the door it was um i don't know there are a lot of question marks with, <laughs> with no answers basically but i was speaking to a um to a young a young rider joe laverick who's on um one of the, the top pro teams development squads and we spoke a little bit about like is he living the dream as people as people see it you know cafe stops and chilling in the french riviera or something <laughs> and um it almost sounds like you really are doing a job that you love and because of that your personal projects and your work they are one and the same yeah i'd say that's that's completely fair i did um you know working in house at that retailer as their you know creative capability it was great and i had a lot of freedom to do what i did but I was stifled by the lack of variety and then, you know, working as a journalist, it was really interesting, really insightful, but it turns out that I find writing really, really boring and laborious. <laughs> um, you know, And so it took all of those. It was like the Thomas Edison moment, you know, you work out 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb and then eventually you end up at light bulb. And so, I've, you know, and I've, I've had various jobs before, you know, working in the cycling industry and even picking up a camera that I just knew was not for me. Um, so I'm one of the lucky ones that I found exactly what I want to do quite early on in the grand scheme of things. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I completely love what I do. Yeah, I'm really, I'm happy to hear that. As a, as a, Thanks, man. <laughs> as, as somebody who's known you for years, it's not always nice to hear that. And But it's, I mean, you mentioned these past two months how have you found it and how has um, the lockdown been for the cycling creative industry? Cycling, I mean, it's it's difficult because even over the last couple of months, we haven't really had much chat with, you know, our regular clients and things like that. So it's, it's quite hard to know where everyone stands. And it's the same with, um, you know, other creatives, other agencies, things like that, to know what they're doing. Everyone's kind of, retreated indoors and then we'll get the big show in town in a couple of weeks i'm sure to see what everyone's been up to um about two weeks before the lockdown just all of our work evaporated that was it it was just gone yeah um and from speaking to you know some of our larger clients there we're anticipating one of the biggest recessions on record so rightly so some of um some of the brands we work with have just completely frozen their marketing budgets the marketing budget is always the first thing to go um, yeah, and it's always the last thing to be unfrozen as well. And that is the budget we rely on in order to take money from brands and make them amazing content. So, yeah, it's um, that lockdown's been, you know, I mean, how weird. Yeah. No one could have anticipated it. It sort of came out of the blue. Yeah, I, I um, it's really interesting to hear you say that the the way the marketing budget is the first thing to go and the last thing to come come back. I'm not running a multi-million pound company I'll, I'll preface it with that but it seems odd you know because marketing is certainly the way to make sales and make money um do, do you slightly resent that that there's this disconnect between like the finance guys and the the marketing guys i mean i do and i don't because i understand it and that comes from you know working in-house at a retailer and seeing the day-to-day -day runnings yeah of, you know 
margin versus supplier versus this versus that. Um, marketing, the reason that budget gets cut is because you can't prove that the person that saw the billboard down the street that you paid for with your money is the same person that came in and bought the bike. Right. And, you, you know, that's the evolution of PPC advertising, online advertising is the fact that you can track people through the internet. And that's why there's been such a, a boom in that industry. So the way we work with video and photo, you know, you still can't track someone seeing a photo, seeing a video, be it a magazine, be it online, um, through to their route of purchase. And so it's it's not a, you know, you're basically just chucking money into the wind and hoping that it's going to come back in a marketing sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, it's bad because budgets get frozen, but it's also good from a creative point of view because it means that, you know, we can still kind of have our head in the clouds a bit and and work with creative ideas and things like that. And we're not too dictated by data, which is, you know, amazing for sales, but also the worst enemy for creativity in some respects. I guess certainly from your perspective, it's it's better to chuck something up on the internet that you can maybe measure clicks for and say, yeah, well, look, this, this worked. It, it gave us this return as opposed to, as you mentioned, a billboard. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, like A-B testing even exists with, with videos and things like that. Um, you know, like there's other things of digital marketing and we're digressing from cycling here. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, there's things from digital marketing that have just stretched into video in some respects, but yeah. the actual core of video, you know, the emotion that you feel from seeing an amazing movie, for instance, that's not ever driven by data and that's driven by the lighting, the sound, the location, the creativity of the production team, things like that. So yeah, clinging onto it, man, holding onto it. <laughs> and I guess you, you know, that emotion that you touched on, you ride, but it always feels like there's a hell of a lot of emotion in the, the type of riding you do, which is like mainly, it has been like gravel and um, fixie and things like that. Did Yeah, I'd, I'd say I've definitely jumped on a trend once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I for a brief history of cycling, I started riding BMX when I think I was 13. Yeah. Um, and then I still try and, you know, cling on to it today. So that's 15, 16 years now. I've been trying to ride 20 inch kids' bikes um, <laughs> and resisting the back pain that comes with it. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, it was about seven years ago that, you know, I finally found a wheel bigger than 20 inch and started exploring gravel and road and track, um, racing fixed gear crits and, and gravel races and things like that. And, um, the one thing that I've, you know, steered clear of just because it's so damn expensive is mountain biking. But whenever I get the chance to jump on one, I, I will. And it's a slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. The, one of the best quotes I ever heard, and this is from a guy who designed some of the most successful um, drop, drop bar bikes that the world has ever seen. He said, life is too short to ride one type of bike. And that yeah. just sits so true it's so simplistic but it's, it's so true i see these people you know being a little bit snobby about well mountain bikes best roads best and it's actually every bike is best like <laughs> you you could almost say bike is best you could yeah yeah <laughs> you could i didn't even uh, try and line that one up but yeah it works perfectly <laughs> <laughs> we didn't try but that's that's the nature of it is that cycling really can just be the best of all worlds if you let it yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a bike is a bike and uh, 
you know, when I was younger, I, I didn't necessarily have, this is a classic sob story. I didn't necessarily <laughs> have as much money as the next guy. And so I was like welding. I think my first BMX frame, I welded it up twice. I snapped it twice and I welded it twice. And, you know, it was just like trying to ride as much as possible and, and, and do all this stuff. And manufacturers are screaming there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, not going to name names, but, um, you know, like one of the things about riding is that it's just such an enabler and actually, you might have a 10,000 pound road bike. You might have a 300 pound bike that you got off eBay. Both of them, the wheels are round and they allow you go, to go from A to B more efficiently than any other means of transportation on the planet. Yeah. You know? So hundred miles on a bowl of porridge, like how awesome the invention is the bike. Before we so easily segue onto bikers best, that's probably a good place to, to leave this first part of the, the podcast. So sure. you have an Instagram I do. Yeah, it's at toby.c.martin, I think. <laughs> um, or you can find out our exploits as a creative company at HMN for human, HMN Creative. So head over to, to Human Creative because there are some really, really cool things. We mentioned the, uh, the Red Bull wall ride thing there and a few other personal things that I've seen of yours as well. Thank you very much. It's, it's worth checking out. Um, once they've done that they can go and uh, subscribe to the monument cycling podcast in the meantime everybody else thank you very much for listening and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again in part two see you soon <laughs>